One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hello and welcome to the Scooby, the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. I'm Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. And on this week's episode of The Scoop, we are joined by Emma Mannix-Jeeves, who I don't think either of us have ever met Emma before, but she was she was a great chat. It was really nice to get to know her, hear a little bit about her story uh, growing up in Launceston as an Indigenous woman. And, you know, she's been in and out of the Tasmania squad. She capped off what was a pretty rough trot for her being delisted by Tasmania, but then she made her way back into the team and she capped off what was, yeah, a tough run with a, a dream uh, century in the WNCL final at Blunston Arena. So yeah, it was great to chat with her. Um, but before we before we get to Emma, LJ, obviously again, there's been so much going on across Perth and Hobart with the WBBL. So firstly, what was your what was your best performance from the week that you saw? I'm gonna cheat a bit and yep. go with a double. You're allowed. In- <laughs> we make the I'll rules here. That. <laughs> well, in the last week, we've had the fastest and the second fastest ever WBBL 50s. How good. Which, you know, we'd never had a sub 20 ball 50 in the WBBL prior to the last week. Now we've got two. So good. That's off with Tess Flintoff and her crazy 16 ball half century against the Adelaide Strikers at North Sydney Oval. And then, of course, Laura Harris in her 100th game with that ridiculous 68 not out off yeah. at with the 50 coming off 18 balls that um, just stole the game away from the Hurricanes that they, at that point, were on track to win. I can't believe Laura Harris had never hit a WBBL 50 before. Did that shock you? Yeah, it had. I, she obviously strikes at such a high rate, but I guess, yeah, the time she comes in in the innings, perhaps she hasn't spent yeah. that much time in the middle before. But A lot of, like, 30s yeah. off 12. Like, <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's her trademark, but it was great to see her go a bit further. Yeah, and following on from her first WNCL century yeah. last month. So it's been a... A big period for Laura Harris. And in, in her 100th game as well. And Em, you've been over in Perth. Yes. So what was your moment of the week? Yes, I have been over in Perth. Probably the best on-field performance that I saw was from Beth Mooney. So I feel like we haven't really seen the best of Beth uh, with the bat uh, this WBBL season. I mean, we know we know how good of a T20 player she is. She's, I would say, one of the best in the world. Um, but I don't think she's passed 50 this year for the Scorchers. So she hit 99 off 58 balls at Lilac Hill. And I think it was just like a classic Beth Mooney innings. Um, you know, we don't see her take too many risks. She she pounces on the bad balls. And yeah, it was it was just great to see her. She was striking the ball beautifully and, and the Perth Scorchers crowd, they're very vocal and they absolutely lo- absolutely loved it. So it was great to be there and see Beth playing that way. 
and a bit of a classic Moon's performance too in that she said on the coverage she'd been sick during the week and she was not feeling her best. She was obviously battling a fair bit during that innings, down on her haunches a bit, really yeah. brought back a few Dremoyne memories against the Sixers in that final a few years ago and seems to be when uh, she digs in and, and produces her best. Exactly. It was pretty hot out there um, and, I, yeah, as we know, Beth, she's had some, um, yeah, like rough innings in the heat before. Um, you know, she struggles a bit when it's when it's hot and humid and it certainly was. But, yeah, classic gutsy, gutsy inning, innings from Moons. And I think off the last ball she had the opportunity to, if she hit a six, um, she would have reached the, the 100, but I don't even think she tried. I think Beth is just not, so such a no-fuss player, just cares about getting the job done for her team. Um, so, yeah, it was great to be there and great to see it. Next up, surprise of the week, LJ. There's, I feel like it's been a very surprising tournament so far, so we're never, never short of anything. What's your surprise of the last seven days? Yeah, this is sort of more a surprise for the season so far, mm. um, and that is just the form of Elise Villani, which... Mm. You know, she's been one of the best players in the comp of one of the leading run scorers across the last few years, been unstoppable. But for whatever reason, I mean, she came into the season in really good form too. She'd hit a couple of 70s for Tasmania to start mm. their season off. So she, there didn't seem to be any worrying signs coming in. But in her, um, in her six innings for the Hurricanes so far, she's got scores of 3, 0, 14, 2, mm. 29 and 8, which... Yeah, it's don't, very unlike Junior. Yeah, I don't know if it's the, the weight of coming in as the new captain and yeah. the, the marquee new opener or, or what's going on there. Obviously, there were some tough conditions in Blacktown for the first mm. few games she played. Um, I'm sure Junior will come good. She always does. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's been something that's, I think, surprised mm. a few people so far this season because everyone loves seeing Elise Fellaini scoring runs. Correct. Correct. We do. I'm going to stick with the Hurricanes theme um, and it's it's Maisie Gibson. So I feel like because Maisie's been a bit bit injured in the last few seasons, I think she's had knee injuries that have maybe kept her out um, out of the game a little bit. But I feel like she's she's having a really good tournament so far. I think she took six wickets across the weekend, including four for 24 against the Renegades the other night. And I, when we used to speak with um, Kristen Beams, Beamsy always uh, talked her up as a fellow leggy and it's just been great to see been great to see the best of Maisie Gibson. She's um, yeah taking wickets and which has been really important for the Hurricanes. Yeah, she definitely is making an impact. And uh, the Hurricanes, you know, they're in a bit of a tricky position right now. Yeah. It's going to be important if she if she can keep it keep it up because yeah, they are they are in an interesting position, which we will get to later. First, um, <laughs> favorite moment of the week. I'm not even going to talk because <laughs> I have nothing to talk about compared to your experiences this weekend attending yes. Dog Day at Lilac Hill and then yes. the start of First Nations round at Lilac Hill. Yes. Um, first of all, Dog Day, please tell me all about it. Yes. Okay, I will. I will say it is comfortably the best day of WBBL that I've ever been to. It's That's not an overstatement. Um, it's just a great atmosphere down there at Lilac Hill. Like, I always looked on from afar and thought, that looks like a great day at the cricket. I mean, the ground is beautiful. It's right on the river. And then they set up rides. Um, you know, there's a barbecue to go get a sausage sizzle. Like, they've got little sort of, like a little beer garden set up. It's just everything you could want from a day at the cricket. And that's without even adding the dogs. And then you add in the fact that there are 91 dogs, which is a new record, by the way. There are 91 dogs just having the best day ever at the cricket. Like they had the dog parade um, at the innings break, which they do every year. But to see it in person, it really like exceeded my wildest dreams. It was just, it was just amazing. Like it's so happy. The dogs are having the best time. Everyone was cheering them on. <laughs> 
The players oh. got so distracted at the innings break. Like, they're in the middle of a game, but then they're patting dogs and, like, running around. Um, and I hope all the dogs that came along had a really good, really good time and I hope they enjoyed it as much as I did because it was, it was really, really fun. I'm no surprises at all to see Elisa Healy and Beth Mooney leading the charge when it came to um, trying to steal people's dogs. No, no, there was absolutely no surprise there. I had, like, I just knew that that would happen. And so on to Sunday, the start of the First Nations round. How was that experience? Yeah, it was another another really great day. Before the afternoon's game got underway, they had uh, the Scorchers hosted the, what's called the Canberrain Cricket F- Festival. So a whole bunch of um, Indigenous kids came down um, and then they all stuck around and created what was the biggest ever barefoot circle in Australian cricket history. So it was just, yeah, a really good opportunity for the players to meet these young indig- Indigenous kids. It was obviously, um, there was a lot of uh, focus on Cassius, which I think was, yeah, definitely at the front of a lot of people's minds. It was such a, an awful thing that happened in Perth um, last week. So that was definitely, um, yeah, front of mind for a lot of people. And there was a really nice opportunity to have a moment of silence for Cassius, um, yeah, to just pay respect to something that should, should never happen. Um, and, yeah, it was just – it was really nice to be there. Um, you know, you see some of the players chatting with the elders, the Indigenous kids, and, and yeah, I think that's – it's a genuine way that you can um, – you can kind of see the tangible effects of, like, inspiring First Nations kids to pick up a bat and a ball. Yeah, that's, that's something that we're all going to work towards to over the next week. So it should be a good weekend celebrating First Nations round back in Melbourne as well. Amazing. And <laughs> I'll stop talking now. <laughs> I could talk about the dogs forever, um, as well as First Nations round, which is going to be continuing on until November 16. I think there are matches in every state. The Heat mm. already had their, their game last week when they were still up at Ellen Borderfield. So um, definitely encourage people to, yeah. to get down and get around it. experience those matches. Yeah, get around it. Back to the cricket, <laughs> which I suppose is why we're here. Uh, LJ, we were chatting uh, off air before, as we often do, and I think we were just kind of reflecting on before the season started, we were kind of hyping up this season as maybe one of the best we've ever had in terms of international draw cards. Like, There's a really, really good list of household names that dominate um, on the international stage and looking at the WBBL 08 uh, leaderboards and stats... Um, Perhaps we haven't seen seen the best of our internationals and it's more of the domestic players who are dominating for their teams. Yeah, I was just looking at the stats um, the other day and you're used to seeing names like Sophie Devine and Laura Wolfhart really high up in the, the runs tables and that. But this year, the two sixes imports are, are killing it. They're both in the top five for their respective skills. But mm. aside from that, Deandra Dotton's only just snuck into the top 10 run scorers after her innings yesterday. Mm got players that we just love having over here and love watching who we just haven't seen their best from yet like Laura Wolfart is averaging 17 mm. striking at 94 Sophie Devine's only scored 117 runs from eight innings which is not mm. the the soap that we're accustomed no, to seeing not. so and similarly with the ball it's the generally the locals dominating with um Sophie Eccleston and, and Millie Kerr up there in the top 10 amongst them mm. so I wonder what it is I wonder if it's just like the um we all know how good the domestic talent in, is in Australia is are they just getting better and better as the seasons go on yeah it's interesting and I guess they are the, that depth is definitely there there's totally nowhere near the same gap that used to be between the CA contractor par- yeah. marquees and, and yeah. domestic players but um and like you can't really say it's the conditions either because it's the people who've come back year after year who are uh, 
aren't doing as well and someone yeah. like Sophie Eccleston is who hasn't played in Australia too much is is finding things quite good. Obviously playing in a, a team that's absolutely flying at the moment. Mm. Yeah. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with the rest of the season and yeah. if some of these international players do start making their mark on, on the back end of the comp. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be interesting and I'm sure like a lot of them will be feeling pressure to do so. And the other point we wanted to raise, um, just looking at the um, the seasons, the seasons that both the um, the Hurricanes and the Thunder have had. Yeah, I was sort of just reflecting on the the Hurricanes and the Thunder and where they're at respectively as we enter the last half of the home and away season and how they really couldn't be in more different positions. Mm. So the Thunder have already played ten matches. They've only got four games to go, even though we've still got the best part of three weeks that in the home and away got, season. Only got four games to go. Yeah, they've that already crazy. They've already played ten, and Trevor Griffin was saying on the broadcast at the weekend that they spent so much time playing and yeah. also travelling that they things haven't been going great for them but they haven't really had a period to just train or mm. stop and pause and think about what isn't working Simmer. and try and figure out what's not going right for them. So they've yeah. now got a week off and plenty of time to do that but with only four games left and only four points on the board, they're really unlikely to get those seven wins they would need. I mean, you say you need probably seven wins to make finals and they've only yeah. got one. So... Game over. It's um, it's tough. So for them now, it's I guess sitting back and figuring out what they can get out of these last four games. Obviously, yeah. no shortage of um, inspiration. Wanting to send Rach Haynes off on yep. a winning note. Yeah. And yep. um, they're in a interesting position. And on the other hand, the Hurricanes have played two fewer games than most teams. They've mm. only played seven. Two of those happened in the last three days. Yeah. Yeah. And with a washout, Wash a out. shortened game. Yeah, it's so kind of like we haven't seen them. Yeah, it feels like their season's barely got going, and they haven't even had a chance to build momentum. But have probably spent, in their opinion, a bit too much time training and waiting mm. to play. Yeah, so they're sitting four points outside the top four, but also two games behind the other teams in the top four. So yeah. now it's they're in an interesting situation where can they actually get their season going and build momentum and steal a spot in that top four? Yeah, they're going to really they're going to really want to fire it towards this back end because they are still in with a chance. Like if they have a red hot finish to the season, they can make it happen, which I guess leads us to um, the matches that we're pumped to watch this this week, this upcoming week. Um, what have you got your eye on, LJ? Yeah, so the, speaking of the Hurricanes, I think they've got matches against three of the top four teams coming up. Mm. So I guess if they want to prove they belong in that top four, they're going to have to beat the other teams in there. And the first of those, or one of those, is coming up on Friday night against the Strikers under lights of Karen Rolton Oval, which I think will be hopefully a cracking contest. How good. Um, How but good. I know we're also both anxiously awaiting the return of cricket to the City Power yes. Big Bash Cricket to the City Power Centre after more than a thousand days. Junction Oval, we're coming back. Um, so good. I think we've got five games there. Oh, which one are you most looking forward to? There is a good, there is a good good lineup at City Power Centre at the Junction, our favourite place. But the one I'm most keen for is Sixers Scorchers. So I saw this match Saturday. I saw the Scorchers beat the Sixers, and I reckon the Sixers. They hate losing. Like, all those players in there, they hate losing. And I reckon they'll be really fired up and, and keen to get one back over the Scorchers. If you're around in Melbourne on Sunday, there is one place you should be, and that is at the Junction Oval. And also, if you see us in the crowd, uh, come, and, come and say hello to us because we like meeting listeners. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah, if you're in Melbourne, there's a game Thursday, two games Saturday, two games on Sunday. No excuses. No excuses. Get around it. Get around it. The weather's going to be good. Obviously, it's Melbourne. <laughs> um, 
obviously. Um, not checking any forecast. Don't check the forecast. It's calm. It's going to be good. Um, we love the vibes down at Junction. So, yeah, it should be a cracking game, First Nations round. Um, and, yeah, it's going to uh, – but that's enough of us. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening as always. Um, now we'll let you get back to listening to a, a really good chat with Emma Mannix-Jeeves uh, to celebrate Big Bash First Nations round. Emma Mannix-Jeeves, thank you so much for joining us today on The Scoop. First time we've had you on, so, yeah, really pumped to have a chat to you about obviously what's been an incredible 12 months or so for you with the Hurricanes and the, and the Tigers as well, but also about First Nations round as well, so Big Bash First Nations round, which is coming up. But before we get too stuck into that, just wanted to... I guess, take the opportunity to get to know you a little bit more. So are you able to just firstly tell us about growing up in Launceston and, and how cricket came into your life? Yeah, well, firstly, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to, to be here. Um, I guess for me, growing up in, in Lonnie, you know, just a normal, typical childhood. Um, I've got an older brother, a younger brother. My dad's a, a cricket nuffy. Um, my mom, she just got dragged along to the cricket, but <laughs> does she like yeah. it? Now? Oh no, she still can't really watch. Um, <laughs> when when either of us play, my, my younger brother still plays. So yeah, she she goes on a coffee run most of the time when we're batting. <laughs> um, yeah, but for me, like I was a typical sporty girl. Played lots of sports growing up. Uh, basketball, footy, um, but cricket was the one that kind of stayed consistent for me and um, I guess it was the one that I, I had the biggest passion for and thought I could go the first and so yeah, I, luckily I stuck with it and I had some some good people around me and, and my family are very supportive so yeah, that was that was basically my journey into it. Yeah, so did you go through all the, the usual pathways and was playing professionally always the, the dream for you? Yeah, I, I started in under 15s. There was nothing below that when I when I started. So I think I was 12 playing in the under 15s stateside for Tassie, which was a little bit daunting. I think my first carnival, I opened the batting and I probably got like five or six ducks. Mm. Yeah, but, but for me, I still walked off the field with a smile on my face. Yeah, cricket was kind of like my, my release um, at the time and, you know, nothing that happened on the cricket field was as bad as you know I I had a little bit of anxiety when I was younger and nothing that happened on the cricket field was as bad as what I felt off the cricket field so I still strode off the pitch with a smile on my face every every duck that I got at that tournament so it's changed a little bit um it's changed a little bit now but yeah I still um yeah I still love it and so like do you remember like looking back, do you remember when that dream to play professionally became a reality? Like was it when you got your first Tassie cap? Yeah, yeah, I think so for sure. I think when I got my first, when I got the phone call to say that I'd gotten my first Tassie contract, um, I guess I yeah. didn't necessarily understand the how big a deal that was at the time. Um, and it's taken a few things, I guess, over my time for me to really appreciate that and I guess ch- uh, cherish it that little bit more. Um, but yeah, I guess getting my, my first first playing cap. I'm pretty sure it was in Queensland and my whole my whole family was there. Um, so oh. that was really special. Did someone present it to you? Someone did present it to me. It was my, my best friend at the time who um, oh. we'd spent, we both, both grew up in, in Launceston. Courtney Webb plays for the oh, Renegades. Nice. Oh yeah. Renegades now. Um, we were, we were thick as thieves growing up and um, Cute. I would pick her up for school every morning and her mum would drop us home every afternoon because we both hated the bus. Aww. So, um, <laughs> yeah, she presented me my cap, which was um, very special. And so, like, this has been a pretty amazing year for you with the, the 100 in the WNCL final, getting your state contract back. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. But it obviously hasn't always been smooth. What was um, the journey you went through with losing your contract in 2020 and getting it back again? Um, Yeah, it was obviously a really difficult time um, as a kid that was contracted straight out of year 12 or in year 12 mm. even I had I had no backup plan and, and cricket was all I knew and so for me you know at that time it was it was the worst thing in the world I, I didn't really know what to do um, I had to move home back to Lonnie which had its challenges in itself and I guess I sort of um, was in limbo for a little bit whether I wanted to stay in Tassie and fight for my spot back or um, my grandparents live in Melbourne so the option was there to head over to Melbourne and try and I guess have a really good club cricket season over there and see what I could do. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. COVID hit at that time, which, yeah, looking back, you know, the start of a pandemic, you know, is more important than me not being able to go to Melbourne. But yeah, looking back, like I'm really grateful that I didn't go to Melbourne and I stayed and I, I worked with Tim Coyle, um, who was the ex-Renegades um, coach um, and coach with the Australian team for a while. And yeah, I just worked with him nonstop and yeah, just just fought my way back into it but it definitely was was tough and I cannot I cannot uh recommend it to anyone and I see things now in young girls that I was kind of like oh you know I wish someone had pulled that up in me at the time and yeah because I I didn't appreciate what I had and I didn't I didn't want to work hard for it and yeah so I'm grateful for you know Sal Beams um who was Briggs at the time giving me some hard truths and making a really hard decision and yeah I guess it, it it all paid off and I think that everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't be the person or the cricketer that I am today without that happening. And what sort of, what kept you going? Like what made you want to keep fighting and keep trying to get that spot back on the contract list? Um, I think it ebbed and flowed at times and I think people kind of were like, oh, you know, you shouldn't use wanting to prove someone wrong as a motivation. But I think at the time, initially that's what I needed and that's what got me out of bed to go to work work nine to five and then go to the gym and then, you know, go for a 6am hit, freezing cold indoor centre in Launceston. Yeah, I definitely can't recommend uh, working nine to five and trying to uh, make it as a cricketer as well. That's not What were you doing? Just a supermarket checkout, checkout girl, which I actually really enjoyed that kind of stuff, but I enjoy cricket a lot more. So, yeah. How did you end up making your way back into the Tassie team last summer? Well, initially I, oh, I've remembered the question now. What was my, <laughs> what was my, mo- my motivation? <laughs> uh, I, oh, I will go I back to that. Like that. <laughs> I will go back to that because I think the, the motivation for me as well was getting back to, yeah. to playing for Tassie. I've, you know, like I'm Tassie through and through. 
and it was like my family. It was like I'd left my family basically. So mm. I wanted to get get back and some of my best friends were still playing here and you know I I even missed playing with a few in their last season before they retired which was was disappointing but yeah I think that was another motivation for me yeah and then in terms of how I got back I just I went back and I started enjoying my club cricket and I just went out Mm. there and I was a bit of a goofball at at club cricket and at club cricket training somehow I just found an extra level every time I went to to club cricket training um, which the girls nice. probably, you know, appreciated at times and didn't appreciate at other times. But, <laughs> yeah, I just went out there and I, I, you know, did what that 12-year-old me did. I just went out there and, and enjoyed the game and, and you know, had, had fun and that correlated into runs and keeping well. And then yeah. it, it turned out that I was called into the squad for the very first game of the next season after I'd been delisted a couple months before, which yeah, it was a bit of a bit of motivation in itself. I said that I would be there and um, yeah, I was. Was it Sal who gave you the call to tell that you were, you were going to be back in the squad? I think it was, yeah. I actually, um, they asked me to move back down um, and they put me up in a hotel because I think they had a few injuries. Um, and mm. so I was kind of like, yes, you know, like <laughs> I, I told you I'd be back, like I'm going to be it. here. <laughs> I'm going to do everything right in front of your faces. Like, you're not going to be able to miss me. So, yeah, and then I ended up, I didn't play um, until the very last game of the season, I don't think, but I was in the squad for that whole that whole year. And then the, the following year, I, or last year, must have been, mm. yeah, I yeah. got the re- uh, pregnancy replacement playoffs. So a um, bit of reward for that. Yeah. Amazing. Year prior. And so, so the final, obviously, at Blunston Arena, like tell us about that whole day. And did it sort of make everything worth it? Like, did you go to bed that night thinking, I've done it, like this is an incredible way to cap off what's been a, a crazy couple of months? Oh, yeah, I I honestly can't even remember um, a lot of what <laughs> I was feeling. Like, I still get goosebumps every time someone mentions it. Like, for me, um, you know, when you speak of dreams and, and growing up and dreaming about, you know, mm. days like that, that's n- nowhere near what I had dreamt awesome. about about um my, my family were were there and it was our our home pitch which mm-hmm. like that in itself you couldn't imagine and yeah to be out in the middle making my first WNC 100 with Elise Villani at the other end making I don't even know what number 100 <laughs> it was for her probably 20 times what mine yeah. was but yeah. um she's had a few yeah, yeah. And just to share that experience with her and, and put on biggest ever partnership for Tassie and I think probably a WNCL record at, um, potentially. Yeah, and then to to win Tassie's first ever WNCL title, I uh, just like fairy tale for me really. Yeah. That is fairy tale stuff. Yeah. 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 Absolutely incredible. I just love we've got I'm sitting in our um player rec room and we've got a massive photo on the wall so of you when should. we of when we won. <laughs> Um, and just looking at that every day is just like goosebumps and takes you back to that feeling. But yeah, hopefully we can we can do it again. But I don't think <laughs> anything will ever compare to that day. Amazing. And after all that, you've um, also been rewarded with a big bash contract this year. How is life with the Hurricanes? Oh, I love them. I love the Hurricanes girls. They're great. Um, <laughs> all the support staff and, and everyone is just amazing. It's probably been something that's sort of just slipped away from me the last couple of years. There was a few. Uh, I had an injury last year when 
the Hurricanes needed a replacement player and yeah it was something that's been just getting away from me every year so I was really mm. excited to finally put pen to paper and be in the purple full time I've not I've not played yet but you know I've been having a blast. I yeah. call myself hydration queen. And yeah, I mean, no, everyone's like, oh, you know, you don't want to be good at 12th and 13th, but I just figure, you know, I've got to take care of my family, I guess, you know, I've got to keep everyone on oh. the park. And as long as uh, the girls are, are winning and playing good cricket, you know, that's, um, that's good enough for me at the minute. And if I get a chance, you know, hopefully I can take that and, you know, contribute to the team. Oh, very good. And so you weren't with the Hurricanes last year, but... Um as a proud Indigenous woman yourself, were you pumped to see the Big Bash introduce the first ever First Nations round? Yeah, absolutely. That was great. Um, I would have loved to have been a part of it, but it was awesome mm. to watch um, everyone on TV running around in their, you know, their First Nations round uh, tops and um, just celebrating it. And, um, I think it was a great initiative by the Big Bash, you know, to, you know, bring awareness to it and to um, acknowledge everything and just, yeah, it was great that all the girls got involved and, and still um, we've had a couple of barefoot circles to the with uh, when we've gone to different grounds so far. So, yeah, yeah I think it's great. It's great. And can you tell us a, a bit about your, your own Indigenous background and what it means to you to represent the uh, Palawa people of Tasmania? Yeah, so personally, um, it's not something that I've known about growing up. Mm. I guess it was known in my family, but no one wanted to really tell me. I guess it wasn't a secret. It was just there and and we didn't necessarily talk about it. But it took me going away, someone finding out that I had some Indigenous, I guess, blood in me. Um, It took that and then them asking if I wanted to go to the Imparja Cup for me to kind of be like, oh, Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realise. Mum, why didn't you tell me? And yeah, that was kind of like the first uh, moment for me. And I absolutely had a blast at this, at this Imparja Cup, uh, which is mm. now the NICC championships. Yeah. And, you know, it, it wasn't just the cricket, it was the cultural celebration. And it was everyone just embracing everyone, regardless of where you're from, what you looked like, how much you mm. knew. And I guess that was for me, yeah, the thing that sparked um, a curiosity inside of me, I guess. And I still don't know a whole lot about my background. Nan and I are are trying to, to find out more, but, um, it's a little bit difficult to, to find out, but yeah. Is that like, is that like something that like has changed in your own family? Like that sort of curiosity, as you said, and wanting to learn more. And is that like, is it something that you're keen to embrace and, and learn more about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah like definitely um nan is definitely the driver of trying to uh, delve into our family history and i'm trying to to help where i can but for me like i've had a lot of great opportunities through cricket to learn not not about me but about the whole culture in itself and that's been really great um and really grateful for for cricket and all the opportunities that i've gotten to learn about it and then you know i can pass that on to the people around me and and to my family and yeah i don't i don't pretend to know much about it because i i definitely don't and you know sometimes talking about it makes me a bit nervous because i don't want to say the wrong thing or Mm. or not not say the right thing but yeah i'm i'm slowly getting more confident in the the bunch of girls that are in the big bash um that each represent their own mobs you know they're really great at it and inspirational to me as well um that you know hopefully I can be a role model like Hannah Darlington or or Ash Gardner and um I guess inspire the next generation of Indigenous young Indigenous people. 
And you went to England to retrace the um, the steps of the team that toured England in 1868. I think, that, was that in 2017, 2018? Yes, it was the 50th year anniversary, so it was 2018. Yeah, and um, how was that, that experience? Oh, that was, in, that was incredible. Um, never did I ever think that cricket would take me to England to you know, mm. retrace the steps of such a historic team. The the bunch that we had were amazing. And again, it didn't matter where you were from, didn't matter how much you knew. The the male and the female teams both went away together and it was just like a little a little family. Yeah, so I, I claim that I know Scott Bowen pretty well because um, he was he was <laughs> on that trip. And I also played for Victoria in the in ICC. So yeah, it didn't matter who you were, you know, you were you were a brother, you were a sister, you were, um, yeah, just a little family. And that was, yeah, an amazing trip. Um, and I wish I could could go back again and, you know, fully uh, appreciate it again, yeah. And, like, you, you sort of mentioned the um, how crickets enabled you to sort of learn more about your, your culture. Like, from your perspective, what role can cricket play in, like, celebrating culture and educating, like, the broader Australian public? Oh, I think, like... The big bash are, are on the right track. Like they're one of, you know, they're on nearly every TV in Australia sometimes, um, you know, <laughs> right in people's lounge rooms. So they have such a great platform to be able to um, celebrate and I guess, you know, spark people's curiosity like it did in me to learn more and to to be aware of, you know, what's, what's going on and, and what's happening. And um, yeah, I think... The jerseys are really great as well. You know, people see them and they're asking questions and they're they're going out and they're being curious and they're they're asking more. So I think it's it's really great and um, I think cricket is definitely the sport driving it, which is awesome to be a part of. It's great. And how important is it to have that representation at the highest level with players like Ash Gardner and Scotty Bolland? Oh, so important. They're great Indigenous role models and I think they're, they're great people as well. So it's great that they can use their platform to, you know, reach as many people as possible. And, and Ash in particular is doing some really great things mm. with her, her foundation. And I actually, I got a painting off Ash um, nice. for my, my 21st birthday. So her stuff that she's doing with all her Aboriginal um, artwork as well, like, you know, that's, that's just cool. amazing. And the fact that she's been able to take this this side of her and, you know, impact so many people. Like I think she's got bed linen now, which, yeah. you know, people are going to see that and it's it's just a conversation starter. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's really important and I think it's um, it's great for, you know, young Indigenous kids playing cricket or not playing cricket to be able to see these guys up there and, and I guess look and see that there's a pathway for them yeah. if they wanna yeah. if they wanna go the whole way that they can. Yeah, so good. Do you, Emma, do you have a, like an indigenous role model in your life? Like maybe like is it your nan or someone like someone broader that's really sort of inspired you and you really look up to? Um, I think that I guess going away with Ash at the time that I did Back in 2018, I wouldn't have known very much about myself and the Indigenous culture at the time. Um, so she was a great role model. I just, I think there's people that I look up to and there's people that I love the way they go about it. Someone like Nat, Natalie Plain, um, she's with Colton Football Club, um, yeah. but she's just so loud and proud. And um, Hannah as well, Hannah Darlington, like I just love mm. the way that she goes about it. Um, I just think Han's such a great person and 
because of that, she's able to connect with so many different people. And, um, yeah, I think she's going to do some great things in this space in the years to come. Not that she already hasn't, but I think, yeah, she's just going to do some really great things. Excellent. And finally, we just wanted to chat a bit about life with the Hurricanes this season, um, starting with Junior as a captain, obviously newly arrived at the club. What is she like as a skipper? Oh, I love Junior. She's great. She's great. Like she's great on and off the field. It's it's awesome that we've been able to work with her in a Tassie setup or a WNCL setup um, before that before she came in as a Hurricanes captain because um, I think the teams are very similar. But she's just a she's a wealth of knowledge. She's so good at communicating with people, and I think that's a really important thing as a leader. She just uh, she doesn't communicate with everyone the same, but I think that's important to be able to do as a leader, you know, you need to talk to the person and you need to be able to get through to them, however that may be. So yeah, she's, she's great. She really is a little energizer bunny and her and Molly Strano are just, uh, they feed off each other, which is, it's awesome to be around. And yeah, she just, she backs everyone in a hundred percent and, you know, it might not be everyone's day today, but she speaks a lot about it will be someone's day today. It will be someone's day tomorrow. And, yeah, I just love the way that she goes about it. Yeah, cool. And what's what's the vibe like at um, Hurricane's training sessions? Like is there someone that is particularly loud and, and keeps, the, keeps the vibes up? Oh, there's probably – I think Molly Strano is a consistent – that's probably unsurprising. I guess, surprising. <laughs> I guess <laughs> hype girl, yeah. And I just sometimes I just find myself sitting back and watching her, and she's so just unique. And like, the, if there's music playing, she's singing, but like not trying singing. She's talking the words, and I just yeah, she's great. But as well, like our internationals as well, uh, Mignon and Lazelle. Yeah. I've been lucky enough to work with Lazelle, keeping cool doing keeping training and we're in my mind we're best friends now like she's she's <laughs> That's awesome awesome nice and yeah she's yeah she's lovely and yeah I think like Junior and Molly together they just um, feed off each other and that's a real um, high energy good vibes type um, duo there so. and so would you say those guys are the funniest in the team or is there someone else who uh, would pip them in that category personally I think Lizelle would be funniest for me at the minute like wow um, Go we, yeah we play a, a team warm-up and every time she plays it I'm just on the ground wetting myself <laughs> like um <laughs> And I've started just sending her random photos of me and then she sends me something completely different back. Like, yeah, I just think <laughs> I've really enjoyed getting to know her. And um, for me, yeah, she's she's up there at the minute. But Molly, Molly is just funny to watch and just her mannerisms <laughs> are funny. And if you had to spend 24 hours on a deserted island with one of your teammates, who would you be picking and why? Um, if I don't say my housemate, she's going to be really mad. Maisie, Maisie Gibson. Yeah. We, um, we actually had this question in our media day the other day and her three things that she would take was me because I'm probably there anyway. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So then I kind of, I was like, well, I'm already there. So Maisie needs to be with me. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would pick Maze. We, um, we live together and we spend a lot of our time together. So. I think 24 hours on a deserted island would be fine. Be fine? No issues? Nah, no problems. Nah. 
Ah, oh, so good. Oh, Emma, thank you so much for joining us on the scoop. It was great to great to chat to you. Great to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, great to hear about all the success with the Tigers, and yeah, continue to wish you all the best with the Hurricanes and have fun have fun down in Blunston this weekend. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been great. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.